0: Well, this is um, really just a wonderful time or season, I believe, for us, because I think that God has given us the Moedim, Moedim is Hebrew for appointed times. People call them the feasts of God in Leviticus 23, that God uh, gives us this to bring us closer to him. The whole point of him speaking to us in scripture and through his word is so that we can get closer to him. Yeah, David, thank you. Uh, So tonight I want to talk about the two uh, holy days, the two appointed times that, uh, that God has given us One is Pesach or Passover, the other is uh, Yom Habikurim, which is the day of the first fruits. So let's look at these two and see what God wants to really show us. Now, most of you know that the seven feasts that are found in the book of Leviticus, in chapter 23, they were given so that we would celebrate them from generation to generation. And those of you who know Yeshua as Messiah, every one of us are invited to keep these feasts. They're not just Jewish things. They're not just Jewish holy days. They're for all of us. And they are not just agricultural as we read about the agriculture, uh, but they, they are also uh, showing that God's redemptive program from the death of Yeshua to the fulfillment of the messianic kingdom. And so we have a, a revelation in scripture. And you know, the, the people who lived in scriptural time, the disciples of Yeshua, they didn't really understand what was going on. And Because scripture is progressive. And, and so the, they, they didn't really understand a lot until Yeshua died and, and was buried and rose again. And so the feasts are divided into two sections. We have the spring feast, which are four feasts. And those four feasts talk about the coming, uh, the first coming of Messiah. The last three, which we have in the fall, speak about the second coming of Messiah in order for him to establish his kingdom and fulfill his promises. I believe Passover is one of the most important holy days, and I say that uh, not just because it's my opinion, but because it's mentioned 77 times in Scripture, which is about 67 times more than Any other script, any other of the holy days, but it begins God's redemptive plan, his plan to deliver us, and it focuses on some really key principles in God's word. Certainly, in Passover, we see the Lamb of God that takes away our sin, and we know the Lamb is Yeshua. And Joseph, when he named his son Yeshua which means salvation, it's because he was going to save his people from their sins. We see in Isaiah 49.6, where God's speaking and he says, I will give you, and I believe the you is Yeshua, as a light for the nations, that you should be my salvation, my Yeshua, to the end of the earth. So we see even in the Hebrew scriptures this understanding that there would be a, a light uh, to the nations, that it would be salvation to the world. We see it more specifically in John 1.29. The next day, Yohanan, or John, sees Yeshua coming to him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Another thing that Passover addresses that's very difficult for people to deal with is there's only one way. Only one way. It's the blood of the lamb. And we see in the Passover story that there was only one way for the, uh, the firstborns to not die. And that is if the blood of the lamb was put on the doorpost. Interesting thing about that, when you read Exodus 34, 18, you see that it's talking about, obviously, Passover, the Feast of Matzot, and so on. You are to keep the Feast of Matzot. For seven days you're to eat Matzot, and that's the plural of matzah. As I commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Eve, for in the first month of Eve you came from Egypt, every firstborn of the womb is mine. Now, it's interesting that in Exodus, God says every firstborn is his, and yet he is willing to to only save those of the firstborn where the blood is over the doorpost. It's the same now. Unless you, in a sense, apply the blood of Yeshua to your heart, and to cover your sins, you can't be delivered from your Egypt, from your sin. And we need to experience God's abundance in life now. And that's what happens when we receive the Lord. God wants us to be free, just we, like we sang in that song. And the acceptance of the lamb and the blood brings freedom. Freedom. Another thing that Passover talks about, the matzah reminds us that God desires us to be holy without sin, just as Yeshua was holy. Matzah is seared across it, uh, or or some people call it stripes, and its holes are pierced through. And that's in order for it, when it's being uh, cooked, to, to not puff up. And really, that's a, a symbolic of the fact that we are not to be puffed up. We are to be humble, just like Yeshua was humble and had a sinless nature. And, and he was pierced, and, and he was scored through, and, and, and so he became the ultimate Passover sacrifice. Another key principle in Passover is a key principle in really all the feasts. And that is, God wants you to remember. He wants you to remember. So, what are we supposed to remember? Well, first of all, there's really only one Passover, and that's the Passover in Exodus 12. Everything else is a remembrance of that Passover. And so, we memorialize or remember Passover, all the future ones, as we celebrate this Sunday uh, as a congregation. Um, it will be in memory of that first one. We also see in, Luke, in, in the Lord's Supper, in Luke twenty-two nineteen. it says, And when he had taken matzah and offered the bracha, the blessing, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in memory of me. In other words, remember, remember. And finally we see in Genesis twenty-two, eight, that God says that He will provide uh, a, a uh, He will provide for Himself a lamb. And so this is a, a prophecy about uh, deliverance, that Yeshua would be that sacrificed lamb. And so another important uh, element of, of the Passover comes all the way back to Genesis 22, 8, where God himself will provide the way that our sin will be dealt with. It won't be that we have to find a lamb or a sheep or anything and sacrifice it. He will provide, and it says this all the way back in Genesis 22, verse 8. So what what do we need to do uh, because of Passover? We need to trust God. I mean, that's always the bottom line, isn't it? We've got to trust God. And probably it's difficult for many people because there's so many other things in the world that is trying to take your trust And so after a while, you don't know if you can trust anything or anybody. You don't know who to trust or what to trust. I will tell you, I believe the only thing we can honestly trust 100% true and true is the Lord. Passover is about trusting God so much that you're willing to uh, put, so to speak, the blood over the doorpost of your heart. And see God's deliverance over life, of of, a deliverance of life over death. Excuse me. And you know when we trust God, you know, a couple times Jillian and I've mentioned it, there is an intimacy that we get with God that the world just doesn't understand. In fact, it sounds crazy to say that you can be intimate with the God who made heavens and earth. But that's what God wants from us. He wants that relationship that we would go to Him every day. That's why we can trust in Him, because we have that sense of intimacy with Him. Now, there are a number of other things in uh, the Passover that are more traditional, but still have tremendous meaning. So if you come on Sunday, you'll see that we will have a Passover Seder. Seder means order, and it's kind of the order of the service. And, and Haggadah is that booklet we read that it means the telling, but it's, it actually uh, describes the Passover story and some of the other things we do. We also know that traditionally and scripturally, we are tr- to remove chametz. Chametz is referring to leaven from the house. And there's a tradition that you go around your house before Passover, and you pick up every single crumb that is part of the leaven that is in your house. You take the leaven, and you put it out of the house. And you do this representing the fact that God wants you to do the same in your heart. 11 represents sin. He wants you to get rid of that. He wants you to search your heart and find the sin and get rid of it. And this is really how you prepare for Passover, is to go and, and, and repent before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for the sin. I am turning back to you. I am turning back to you. Also, there are five cups of, uh, I'm sorry, four cups of wine. Actually, sometimes there are five. But we'll look at the four cups of wine. Wine's a symbol of joy, as David mentioned earlier. And we'll drink five cups of wine or grape juice uh, during our Seder. Why four cups? Because the Lord promised four blessings in Exodus 6, 6 and 7. So you see here, we have the cup of sanctification. I'll bring you out under the, uh, of the burdens of the Egyptians. The cup of deliverance, I will deliver you from their bondage. The cup of redemption, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And that cup of redemption is what w- I believe was used in the Lord's Supper, uh, which we'll talk about in a second, and which we will partake in next uh, on Sunday. And then f- fourth is the cup of praise. Because look, after you've gone through and, and uh, gotten out of Egypt and you've been delivered and you're redeemed, uh, what can you do except praise the Lord? And, and so this is a time of praise. There are a number of other things. Um, there's the, the tradition of having three matzah, matzot, or uh, in a matzotash, which is a bag with three compartments, you take out the middle one, and we always say that the middle one is representing um, the priest, and and that is broken, and it's hidden away in a linen cloth. It's called the afikoman, which means that which comes after, or it means des- kind of a dessert. And then following the meal, children will look for it. The child who finds it will bring it to the leader, who will redeem it for a price. It's then broken, and it must be shared by everyone at the Seder in order to finish the Seder. This gives us such a picture of Yeshua's death and resurrection. And yet, Jewish people do this all throughout the world, who don't know Yeshua's Messiah and yet it's such a perfect picture of who he is. In Luke 22:19, 19 it records it this way and when he had taken matzah offered the blessing he broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body given for you do this in memory of me. In Matthew 26 it says and he took a cup after giving thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you, for this is the, my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the removal of sins. So, Passover is an amazing time. I've just gone over it quickly. There are a lot of other things in Passover that that just show you who God is and that he is trustworthy and that, that, um, that it's just amazing when you look from the beginning to the end of scripture, how consistent he is and how the dots get to be uh, connected. But I, I want to spend a couple moments just talking about Yom Habikurim, which is the Feast of First Fruits. You find in Leviticus 23, 10b and 11, that you are to bring the Omer of the first fruits of your harvest. He's to, uh, to the Kohen, to the priest. He's to wave the Omer before Adonai to be accepted um, for you. On the, and he's supposed to do this the morrow after the Shabbat. The Kohen is to wave it. Well, really, um, there's a lot of disagreement about which Shabbat it is. And this weekend would be a great time to have that argument because you have two Shabbats. You have the Saturday, uh, the, the Friday night to Saturday evening Shabbat, which would mean that Sunday is Yom Habikurim. Now on other, uh, other times, uh, because the calendar follows the moon, it doesn't work out that clearly. And, but this, this year it does. So Yom Habikurim is uh, on Sunday, the Feast of the First Fruit. And um, one of the things we do also is starting tomorrow, we count the Omer as it talks about in Leviticus 23. And you can get a booklet in the foyer in order to do that. But when we look at this idea of resurrection, And and I've got to tell you that resurrection is a Jewish concept. Um, You know, you have these two main groups in the time of Yeshua one was the uh, Pharisees and one was the Sadducees. One of the major differences between the two groups was the Pharisees believed in resurrection and the Sadducees did not. But it certainly is a Jewish concept, this idea. So, Uh, Yeshua's resurrection was the beginning of the first fruit of the harvest. And we read this in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now Messiah has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And there is a lot of proof that not only did he raise from the dead but people actually saw him afterwards. In Acts 1.3, it says, to them he showed himself to be alive after his suffering through many convincing proofs, appearing for, to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Also in 1 Corinthians 15.6, it says 500 people witnessed Yeshua after the resurrection. And of course, you know the story about Thomas. He needed to check out the wounds to make sure that it, it was really true. So there was a lot of, of proof that Yeshua was raised. In fact, resurrection, again, as I mentioned to you, was a Jewish concept. Another reason was because when we look at the stories of Elijah and Elisha, We see that two boys were raised during those times. Yeshua also raised a 12-year-old girl from death and, and a widow's son and Lazarus. So the idea of resurrection was understood. However, Yeshua was the first to return in his resurrected body and never to die again. And that is why Yeshua is Lord. So resurrection was a term that was understood. In fact, we read in John eleven twenty four, Martha said to Yeshua, I know, speaking about Lazarus, he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Yeshua said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And that's obviously a question we ask even today. Do you believe this? It's necessary to believe this to understand not only who Yeshua is, but the power of Yeshua. In 1 Peter 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. In his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Messiah Yeshua from the dead. So what do we get from this resurrection? We get hope, hope of eternal life, hope of, of, of life with Yeshua. And in 1 Corinthians 15:14, it goes so far in Scripture to say that if Messiah had not been raised, then our proclaiming is meaningless. And your faith also is meaningless. So this is the bottom line. This is the bottom line of our faith. Knowing who Messiah was and what he did. In Philippians 3.10, it says, My aim is to know him and the power of his resurrection. And let's uh, continue on. I want to close with Ephesians 1, 18 to 21. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the richness of his glorious inheritance in the kiddushim, the believers, and what is his exceedingly great power toward us who keep trusting him, in keeping with the working of his mighty strength. This power he exercised in Messiah when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heaven He is far above any ruler, authority, power, leader, and every name that is named. Not only in the Olam Hazer, which is the present age, but also in the Olam Haba, which is the age to come. So the final scripture I wanted to read is this, because it describes first fruits and that's what Yom HaBikurim is all about. Yeshua being the first fruit. And we will be first fruits after him. First Corinthians 15, 20. But now Messiah has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also has come through a man. For as in Adam all die, so also in Messiah, with all, be ma- will all be made alive. So as we close with uh, a song, at least of worship, but you know, in order to become a first fruit after Messiah, you have to receive Messiah into your life. You have to accept Yeshua. You have to say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. You have to say, Lord, I believe in you. I don't understand it all, but I believe in you. I believe that Yeshua is my Messiah and God raised him from the dead. And I am willing to dedicate my life to God forever. When you say those three things, I believe God just receives you into the kingdom. He transforms you. He changes you. And life is just different. Life is different at that point.